I love back to school blessing. Um, I actually, it's kind of weird though, not having kids to get ready awesome. for back to school. <laughs> yeah. Well, mixed I mean, emotions. I mean, we miss them. But it's awesome. It's a little bit different. For those of you who don't know, um, I lead saying. a ministry called Fearless Mom. It's also known as God's favorite ministry. Um, <laughs> if you would like any more information about that, you can go to fearlessmom.com like all the cool people do. But um, so at Fearless Mom, sometimes when we finish the lecture, I'll open it up to questions. I love to hear the questions that the moms are asking. A lot of times it's about discipline or this situation, this school situation or that one. But one day someone caught me off guard and she said, hey, Julie, of all the things that you taught your children, what was the one most important thing? At first I was a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) I was taken aback. I thought, wow, over 20 years of parenting, I mean, I've taught or have attempted to teach a lot of things to my kids. And then it hit me. I said, of all the things that Mac and I taught our children, the most important thing that we taught them was, you're strong enough to be the only one. Everybody say that with me. You're strong Strong enough enough to to be be the the only one. Say it again. You're You're strong enough to to be be the the only only one. one. You see, if you think about it, now we taught our kids about honesty and integrity and hard work and responsibility and respect, all of those things. We did. We spent a lot of time on yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Yes, sir, and no, sir. And to be (laughs) sure, we believe that teaching children that Faith in God is the foundation on which everything is built, is important. But if you think about it, living out that faith requires an understanding and a believing of you're strong enough to be the only one. How about this? Let's reverse it and say, I'm strong enough to be the only one. I want in particular, I want to hear the students say that. I'm strong enough to be the only one. Oh, my word, our teenagers are rocking it down here. Okay, let's try it again. I'm strong enough to be be the the only one. You see, Maya Angelou, she wrote, courage, I'm going to stick to my notes today because I'm rather passionate about this topic, and when I get passionate about a topic, a lot of words come out. So I'm going to stick with my notes. Maya Angelou said, Courage is the most important of all the virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can practice any virtue erratically, but nothing consistently without courage. And I believe that courage is believing that you're strong enough to be The only one. You see, you're strong enough to be the only one on the playground who sticks up for the kid that everybody's being mean to. You're strong enough to be the only one who's in a different class than all your friends from last year. You're strong enough to be the only one to do your own homework and turn it in on time, even though all the other moms and dads are doing the project for them. Can I get an amen? You're strong enough to be the only one to tell the whole truth. You're strong enough to be the only one to obey that rule that everybody else says is no big deal. I believe that if our students can learn and embrace, I'm strong enough to be the only, you have to grit your teeth if you really mean it. I'm strong enough to be the only one. Then, yeah, 
we can raise up a generation of leaders and not followers. That's right. And so we want to make sure that as a church, we want to make sure that as families, we want to make sure that as educators, that we can change the culture in the church, in the schools, in the homes. And instead of what all the studies are saying is the most emotionally fragile generation, we will work together to raise up the strongest right. generation. A generation that believes I'm strong enough to be the only one. You see, at Lake Hills Church, we believe in teenagers. Right. Teenagers, uh, you know, they get a bad rap out in the world. We could not do church without our teenagers. Right. I want to give it up for them real quick. That's true. That's a fact. And I believe that's because we look at them and say, we love you, we value you, we believe in you, and we believe that you are strong enough to only one. And then we teach them where that strength comes from. Because to be sure, you will feel weak. You will feel like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And then you remember, I can do all things. Everybody say all things. All things. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. You know, we are so fortunate that God shares his immeasurable power with those who submit their lives to his will. And when you choose to live your life according to his will, then you will find that he is true to his promise and he will always provide the strength, the stamina, and the endurance to help you be strong enough to be the only one. Excellent. I love it. I, I couldn't even sit down. I was so excited. <laughs> now, parents, here's, here's the thing that I think is absolutely fascinating about this whole process. That God calls us to this incredible privilege and honor and, and massive responsibility of being a parent. And yet, how many of us know, I'm going to ask for a show of hands since this is back to school Sunday. Raise your hand if you agree with this. How many of us know that parenting can be a fairly elusive task from time to time. Let me just see a show of hands. I don't know if you're like us. Our kids did not come with a manual. We did not find instructions when Emily and Joseph were born. And yet, we know, I think, intuitively and just kind of by common sense that our job as parents entails equipping. Our job is to equip our kids to live the lives that God has created for them to live, but how we get there and what that looks like is really, really tough to figure out. A lot of times, I mean, I think the number one prayer of parents before any and every prayer ought to be the prayer for wisdom. God, give me your wisdom to know what decisions to make when, what to say, what not to say, how to operate so that my kids are ready for this day when they will grow up and move out of our house, hopefully before they're 40 years old. That was funny. Some of you are laughing like, oh, I don't know. No, seriously, they ought to be moving out. And here's, here's the thing that, that I think is very important also. Students, you all have a massive role to play in your parents' job. You have a massive role to play in how your parents do their job. Here's what, here's what I'm talking about. 
You all know, of course, that in just a few short months, we're going to have an election for the presidency of the United States of America. It's going to be huge. So we know that that election's coming. And, and a few weeks or months after that election, whoever wins the election will be inaugurated president of the United States. Here's the great thing among many about the United States. That is always referred to as a peaceful transfer of power. When, when the president changes hands, when the presidency changes hands, tanks don't roll through our streets. There's not a shot fired. It is a peaceful transfer of power. And I believe that that is the perfect picture painted in Scripture of what God wants to happen between parents and kids. That over the course of their childhood, there's this peaceful transfer of power that happens gradually and appropriately at age-appropriate levels where the parents hand to the kids more and more power, more and more decision-making with feedback, with the opportunity to improve and get better, but it is happening so that by the time they leave home, the kids are, first of all, equipped and they're ready, but they also have the tools necessary to live out their lives that God has created them to live. Now, students, I'm going to say something to you all real quick. You need to, I understand that, that your parents are old. I understand that they don't understand everything that you do. But, every student, say but. No, come on now, don't, don't, don't wimp out on me. Say, but. but you don't want your parents' job. You don't want your parents' job. I know you think that they're old and they don't understand, but here's what you don't understand. They're older than you, and they've seen more, and they know more than you do. And by the grace of God, they have more wisdom, they have more knowledge, they have more experience that you get to learn from, from a few, for a few more years. And by the way, you don't want to have to make every decision they have to make. You certainly don't want to have to pay for everything they pay for. So recognize that. And this is the first tool. Julie and I have three tools that we want to put in your kind of back to school toolbox this year to hopefully clarify, but as it clarifies to also simplify what happens in our homes and therefore in our schools and our communities and beyond. The first tool that all of us have to, to grab a hold of is to embrace the parent's responsibility. Everybody, embrace the parent's responsibility. I am so appreciative of the mascots nodding in unison down here. When a tiger That's and a cavalier can get along... That's, I love it. That's beautiful. Completely, I have no idea what I was about to say, but that is awesome. But it's true. Parents, we've got to own the responsibility we have. I picked up a book a few weeks ago called Extreme Ownership, written by Jocko Willink, which may be the greatest name ever, and Leif Babin, a, for, a couple of former Navy SEALs. And the whole premise of the book is this. If you lead something, you're responsible for everything. If you lead something, you're responsible for everything. Now, people that you lead may make mistakes. They can make decisions that don't turn out well, but it's still your responsibility. I think that's what our job is as parents is to own 
the responsibility God has given us as parents. And, watch this, to bring into everything that we do our own faith. To show our kids that every single room of our lives that we bring and invite God into is better and brighter because of it. That wherever God is, there is less chaos, there's less noise, there's less conflict, and there's more order, and there's more peace, and there's more beauty. But in order for our kids to learn that, you and I as parents, we have to live it out. So being a part of God's tribe is not just on a back-to-school thing or on a Christmas or on an Easter, but it's an all-the-time thing. It's an engagement and an involvement beyond just when it's appropriate or on big events. Because teaching our kids that they're strong enough, raising up a generation of leaders and not followers is a big deal. It's an overwhelming task. And so if you're a parent and you're not throwing up in your mouth a little bit when you think about it, that just means you're not really understanding the full (laughs) responsibility because it is a big deal. That's why at Lake Hills, we want to partner with parents to raise a generation of leaders and not followers. We believe in the next generation. We believe in the family. We believe in the schools. So we want to partner with parents and help you raise up kids who believe I'm strong enough to be the only one. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday. Next Sunday in LHC Kids, we are going to start a new series. I'm teaching in elementary. We're doing the same curriculum in preschool called strong enough. We will talk about everything from I'm strong enough to be the only one who obeys to I'm strong enough to stand up to the bully. I'm strong enough to tell the whole truth. We want to arm kids with emotional, spiritual, and relational strength so that they can grow up to become strong, competent, independent adults. So we want to partner with you. So part of embracing your responsibility as parents is making sure your kids and their friends are in LHC Kids next week. And as a matter of fact, I'm working with Pastor Dan. We're doing curriculum very similar for the students. And we have all these students. I know a lot of these guys down here, they've taken the strong enough challenge and saying, I'm strong enough to serve, and they will help me teach over in the kids building. Can we just give it up for teenagers one more time? We believe in kids. We believe in families. We believe that when you embrace courage and you're strong enough to be the only one, you can change the world that you live in. And so first, when we talk about how do you teach your kids you're strong enough, the first one is to embrace the parent's responsibility. And the second one is to support the teacher's responsibility. Support the teachers. This is so important to have the most successful school year possible. Moms and dads, grandparents, our job is to support our educators, to give them the benefit of the doubt. Have you ever said, maybe, you know, first of all, I want to say, don't underestimate what your children hear you say. And don't underestimate how they absorb what you say to other moms about school. Perhaps you said, who on earth thought this drop-off and pickup was a good idea? Uh, 
How about this one? Oh, my word, I'm so glad we don't have Miss Smith. I have heard terrible things. Your children hear that. Have you ever, you know, said, I'm calling the principal. This one's going to hit home. That is not the teacher we wanted. That's right. Yeah, no more laughter on that one because that all happened this week. Each time you step in and you say things like that in front of your children, you are robbing your children of an opportunity to learn from a different authority. You see, you're undermining the authority that God has put over your children. What a blessing that we live in a world, in a community that has so many men and women who step up and say, I want to spend my life educating the next generation. How about this, moms and dads? What if instead of undermining those um, educators, we support them and we become their biggest cheerleaders? How about instead of flying off the handle, I give that teacher the benefit of the doubt, calm down, and instead of talking to other moms about the project, I go straight to the teacher. How about I say to my kids, wow, I know this teacher is different from the teachers that you've had. I can't wait to see what you will learn. Because to be sure, your kids will have teachers that don't jive like the teacher from last year did. But remember, our job is to raise up a generation of strong, competent, and independent adults. And we know struggle builds strength. Say that with me. Struggle Struggle builds builds strength. I feel like there's some moms and dads that need to remind yourselves of that. Struggle builds strength. So when we allow our kids to figure it out on their own, to figure out how to work with different personalities, and we support the educators who spend their lives working with our children, our children have an opportunity to learn from another authority. And every single person in the world benefits when you learn, when you teach, how to submit to the authority God has put over you. You know, that's a great point. And I would encourage you as well, if you are not willing to have a face-to-face conversation with a teacher or an administrator, don't send the email. Don't send the email. Email is the equivalent of three alcoholic drinks in quick succession. (laughs) Most people will send an email they would never say face-to-face. So that's just a little helpful hint from your pastor. But I also remember something from my childhood that was so huge. And, And listen, sometimes your kids will have teachers who are nuts. How many of you had a crazy teacher at some point in your academic career? Okay, listen, I get it. But here's the thing. You will have crazy people in your life for the rest of your life. That's a fact of life. I had a teacher when I was in in, in middle school, except way, way, way back then. They called it junior high. And, and, and she, was, she was out there, man. She was tough. She was kind of like this pit viper mean. You know what I mean? It's a snake. And I remember coming home and complaining to my mom. And my mom said, Mac, let me ask you a question. I, I understand what you're saying. And by the way, she is unreasonable. I know her. She's being unreasonable. And I was old enough. This wasn't like when I was in first grade. But I was, I was old enough to kind of process. She said, let me ask you a question. How old do you think she is? And I said, I don't know, 140 She goes, okay, well, whatever. She said, 
let's, let's just say that I went up to the school, to the principal or the assistant principal, and had a conversation. Do you think that I'm going to say or anybody's going to say anything that's going to change her at this point in her life? I said, no, ma'am. She said, okay, you have four months left in this class. Suck it up and do the work and get out of it. Some of the greatest parenting we will ever do is when in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, we tell our kids, suck it up. <laughs> suck it up and do the work. She's unreasonable, but she's the authority. If your safety is not threatened, get used to it. There are going to be crazy people in your life. So deal with it and deal with it respectfully. You can't walk into the class the next day and go, well, my mom said you're crazy. No, call. You still have to respect the authority, but at least you know that you're not crazy. Does that make sense? So. But that's the student's job under that second point, support the teacher's responsibility. Yes. The student has a responsibility there too. The student has the responsibility to understand that God has placed that authority in your life. God has, and by the way, that teacher has chosen to serve you. And so you have an opportunity. You have a choice to make. You can choose to be mad about it all day, to talk to your friends about it, to say ugly things, or you can choose to be the student who makes that teacher want to come to work. You can choose. I'm going to love her. So I'm going to be the nicest kid in this class today. I'm going to bring her tips, treats, Chick-fil-A, and Starbucks tomorrow because I am going to be the student who makes my teacher want to come to work. It's a choice you have. And wow, what power if you say, you know what, I can't do it. I can't do it. I do not like her. It's not about you. And remember who gives us the strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We know from other New Testament verses that he also is the provider of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, yeah, you can do it. If you choose to, yeah. you have an opportunity. Be the student who makes your teacher want to come to work. Which is a perfect segue into the third tool that we want to put in everybody's toolbox. And that is develop the student's responsibility. Develop the student's responsibility. There's a high school, an all-boys high school in Arkansas that posted a picture on the front door of their building as you walk in the door. We've got a picture. I want you to see this. This is brilliant. I was so happy I found this this week. It says, stop. If you are dropping off your son's forgotten lunch, books, homework, equipment, etc., please turn around and exit the building. Your son will learn to problem solve in your absence. Somebody help me preach. Is that great? I love it. <clears throat> I'm not saying I did it all the time, but I love it. But they don't, they forgot their lunch. They, their food. <laughs> Two meals a day is more than most of the world gets. They're going to be fine. <laughs> oh, listen, there's a little rumbling down here from the students on that one. <laughs> then remember your lunch. So. Developing responsibility means that we let our kids within the safe 
confines and haven of our homes experience the natural consequences of their choices, decisions, and from time to time, their irresponsibilities. So when they forget an assignment, when they forget their lunch, or when they are struggling in a classroom, let them struggle. Here's the thing. We want to help our kids discover that they can learn from struggle and fears and mistakes and not hide from struggles, fears, and mistakes. But we've got to be strong enough to let them discover that they're strong enough. I love the Olympic commercial that says, it takes someone strong to make someone strong. Moms and dads, I recognize it is hard to watch your kids or to allow your kids to struggle. And think about this for a second. Have you ever said something like this? Well, if I don't help him, he won't pass the AP exam. Well, if I don't help him write that college entrance exam, he won't get into college. Listen, I'll call the coach. I'll let him know it was my fault you overslept. All of those sentences come from great, well-meaning places, but they cripple our kids. We've got to let them experience the natural consequences of their choices and their decisions. Because as we've said, we're all about, as a church, partnering with parents to raise a generation of leaders and not followers. How many of y'all been watching the Olympics? Let me see a show of hands. I have three things to say. U-S-A. U-S-A. It's been unbelievable. There, there's, one, there's one picture that made the rounds that I think is such a powerful, powerful reminder for parents. For parents. Check this out. Take this, look at this picture of Michael Phelps smoking this poor guy from South Africa. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about making sure that your kids become gold medalists or that they win at everything that they do. That's not the point of this. But the point of this is to look at Michael Phelps as compared to Chad Leclerc. That, that's the guy who's, who's he's beating right here. Chad Leclerc from South Africa. I also like to call him Chad Le close but no cigar. But <laughs> Michael Phelps is focused on the end game. He's focused on what he's focused on. Leclerc is focused on Phelps. Parents, do we want to raise our kids to focus on their peers, on how well they're accepted or, or approved by their peers or whether or not they gain other people's approval? Or do we want to teach and train and model for our kids to focus on who God has created them to be and what he has for them? To chase after that with everything that they've got. That's our job. That, that's, that's what we want to build within them so that they come up and they realize, you know what, just because I'm in middle school, high school, or college, I don't have to have sex until I get married. I, I, don't, I don't have to, to drink just because I'm in high school. Well, they're going to do it. No. We're, we're focusing them on Christ who gives them strength and not the world that tells them right from wrong. We're focusing them on what God says and how their lives work best in every single instance. That's our job, to develop their responsibility before God, because ultimately, our kids, like us, 
are going to stand before God individually. And that's where all of this parenting thing comes home to roost. It's, parenting is not about getting our kids into college. That, that could be a part of it. Parenting is not about raising perfect kids. I pray. Parenting is about pointing our kids towards the only one who will ever love them perfectly and eternally when you and I are nowhere to be found as parents. It's about pointing them to a faith that is their own. It's about showing them what a faith that is our own looks like. And, and this is how God operates. This is how he's wired up the world. The first line of spiritual defense and offense is the home. It's moms and dads who are sold out to Christ, sold out to one another, and pointing their kids towards the same things. To show their kids what it looks like, what it feels like to experience the unconditional, eternal, perfect love of God. To show them, to be able to, to teach them around the kitchen table who God is and what he has said biblically. I, I think as, as we conclude this, this back-to-school blessing weekend and we look forward to, to coming back together next weekend, as, as a tribe, I think it's important to, to focus our prayers for this coming week, our prayers for families, our prayers for singles who aren't married, who aren't going back to school. On a passage of Scripture that's in Ephesians chapter 3, in Ephesians 3, the Bible says this, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Students, that's our prayer for you, that you discover how much God loves you and that you trust him in everything that you do as you go back to school. Parents, that we would trust him and grow strong in those roots. Strong in those roots together and personally and individually. And that starts in a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about going to church. It's about being the church. It's about being a part of the body of Christ because of our faith personally and individually, in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what that verse is all about. That's what the tribe of the church is all about, is relationship with Christ. Yes, God meets us personally and individually. And he always grows us in the context of community, in the context of the tribe of faith. And so if you're here today and you've, you've never personally and definitively nailed that down. Maybe for you, you know, church was just something that you did or it was a religious expression. The good news of Jesus Christ is that, again, every room of our lives that we invite him into gets better and brighter when he walks in the door, when we invite him in, when we commit our lives to him. 
And so right now, I want to ask everybody, if you would, just for a brief moment, close your eyes and, and bow your heads. So that as a church, each of us, personally and individually, has the opportunity just to consider our own relationship with God. And what I mean by that is, have you stepped into that relationship? Have you personally and definitively responded to God's grace initiative and said, I need, I accept the forgiveness of God for my sin. And I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And that in him, I'm forgiven. And I accept that forgiveness. If you're here today and you've never made that confession, you've never taken that step personally and definitively, as a church, we want to give you the opportunity to do that just right now, in this moment. If that's you, you just pray silently, talking to God in your own words, just something like this, with everything that you've got. Just silently say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin. I claim your forgiveness. And I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again from the dead so that I could be forgiven. And I accept your forgiveness. And Jesus, right now, in exchange for your life, I give you mine. All of it. And I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for another moment because it's a sacred moment. If that was your prayer and you meant it for the first time, then we want to help. We want to help you grow in this new relationship with God. We want to come alongside you. And so before you leave today, if you would, just take the connection card that's in your program and, and just it'll take you about 45 seconds just to fill it out with your name and contact information and then indicate there I'm committing my life to Christ today and after you filled it off you can fold it back and forth a couple of times on that fold it's perforated and tear it off and just hand that card to one of our ushers as you leave just, just make a deliberate connection personally and just hand that card so that we can know that we can help you, that we, so that you know we want to. And also, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just another moment, if that was your prayer today and you meant it, you confessed your sin, you responded to God's grace initiative and gave your life to God, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand over your head 
Just raise it up high and hold it up there for just a moment. So that in this moment, you stamp the significance of what God has done in your response in your life, but also in the life of this church. Because as a church, we celebrate that, we honor that. There's nothing more important to us than that moment in your life and others like you. And so as you put your hands down, we put our hands together to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.